We are on Ksubis Yudbez Amabez 12b1 in the article Gemara. We are beginning a new Mishnah. And this topic, this general topic, will uh, take us um, for a few pages, a few dapim in the Gemara. It's a very fascinating topic. And I will give a, uh, a brief introduction as we begin this new topic. Uh, essentially, we're going to come to various situations where these are monetary issues, situations where we don't have a proof one way or the other. There are two people who come to court. One makes one claim. The other person makes a, a counterclaim. And we don't know who's right and we don't have evidence. We don't have sufficient evidence. We don't know who's right. So how does, how does the court decide who's really right? How does the court believe a certain claim? How does this work if we don't have sufficient evidence? So this is a topic that comes up often in the Gemara. And there are different tools that are used uh, to determine who we will, I don't know about believe, but at the very least uh, decide who deserves the money. Um, when we make the decision, it's not necessarily with 100% certainty, but it's weighing different options and different concepts and coming to a certain decision. So I just wanted to present uh, some of the factors that are involved, and we'll see that there are disagreements as to which one is of greater uh, significance, uh, but let's go through th- through this. Number one, to start off with, you have to start off with the principle that of uki mamona becheskas mari, that there's a concept called uh, that something to the degree of possession is nine-tenths of the law, that when it belongs, when when we're trying to extract money from somebody, so then the burden of proof is on the person who's trying to extract the money. That uh, you have to bring the proof. The pr- proof is on you who want to take it away from me. Um, so that that is a imp- very important uh, piece to this. It is Potentially, although this probably requires more time to explain, it could also be that if it's in my hands, so then maybe that's also somewhat proof that it belongs to me and that I'm correct. Again, that requires more explanation, but potentially you could use such an argument. Um, and then there are other forms of uh, chazakas. There's other forms of basically a status quo, uh, which basically means that uh, we, have, we have different types of status quo or assumptions of uh, the behavior of people. So number one is that there's a status quo that the way you were yesterday is the same way that you are today. Something referred to as cheskas aguf, that your actual body. Your actual body, we will be discussing uh, the question of, as to when she uh, lost her basulim, her hymen. And so there is an assumption that uh, that halacha uses, which is the concept of status quo, that we would assume that nothing changed until the last possible moment. And obviously it's possible that it could change. It could be that this idea of chazaka, of status quo, is not necessarily proof. It's not explaining what happened. Uh, but it's what to do in the cases of doubt, of uncertainty. We have to make some sort of decision, and so therefore we will say, let's follow status quo. There's another type of a chazaka, which is also an idea of, of an assumption of the ha- of behavior of people, which is called cheskus kashrus, that we assume that people aren't doing the wrong thing, if we don't know otherwise. If Let's say if we've known that until now, They've been following the rules properly and that they've been doing the right thing. So then we could assume that uh, they're doing the same, the right thing again um, and that they're continuing to do the right thing until we know otherwise. 
Uh, so that's another form of chazaka. And then when it comes, then there are other issues when it comes to when they make their claim. When they make a certain claim, so then even if we don't have proof, is there a reason for us to accept their claim? So there's a concept called migu. Again, these are a lot of concepts that require much further analysis uh, than the amount of time that uh, we're giving it right now. But there's a concept called amigu, which is basically we should believe somebody for making claim X because they could have made a different claim, claim Y, and it would have been a better claim. It's a better claim to make the claim Y, claim Y, either because it, they would have won, that it's a, it's a type of claim that uh, they would have won that case. And so the fact that they made claim X instead of claim Y shows us that they're really telling the truth. Um, or even if they, they're not believed to make claim Y, but claim Y for whatever reason is a better claim, so then we should believe them when they say claim X because why would they say claim X if it wasn't true? must be that it's true. Um, so that's that's one form of amigu. And then uh, and a situation where we should believe somebody for their for their taina, for the claim that they're making. And then there's something else, which is really the heart of what we're going to be discussing. And then we'll conclude this introduction, which is a concept referred to as bari vishema. What happens if one person who's making the claim says with certainty, I know exactly what happened. I know exactly what happened. And what happened is as follows. The other person says it without certainty, is not sure, and says, well, maybe the facts are different. Maybe something else, but they don't say it with certainty. So the Gemara will have a discussion. Does that play a role? Does that not play a role? The fact that somebody says, one person party says it with certainty, the other party doesn't, so then does that change things? Now, there's a, there's a lot to discuss on that particular topic, referred to as Bari Vishema. Why would you say that just because you made a claim with certainty that therefore you should be believed? Uh, there's a lot, a lot to discuss on that. It could be that we're limiting it to cases where, um, the fact that you say that you know that something happened and the other person says that they're not sure, so then that's like, uh, the other person should have known. Maybe it's limited to cases where the other person, person should have known something and they don't know it. Although, it's not clear. It could be that it applies to all cases. Um, and why that would be is also, it's interesting. Why, why would that be? Why should you believe somebody who says a claim with certainty? So, perhaps the idea, there's a lot to discuss, but perhaps the idea is that going back to our original first principle, was that uh, nine tenths, possession is nine-tenths of the law. But maybe that's only true if I am saying, if I have, a, I have a story, I'm explaining why it's in my possession. If I say, well, you know what, I'm not really even sure if it's in my possession, so maybe that that all could already just um, take away the whole concept of the fact that it's in my possession, that therefore uh, the burden of proof is on the other person. Maybe not. If I'm saying that, it's in my possession, but I'm not even sure if it should be in my possession. I'm not, I don't know. So then that ruins this whole concept of possession is nine-tenths of the law because you're not even sure if it should be in your possession. So maybe that's how that's how Bari uh, Vishema might be working. The concept that for me, I know with certainty, the other person doesn't. So the fact that the other person doesn't know with certainty, maybe that uh, creates some sort of reyesa, some sort of weakness in his chazaka and the fact that he... It's in his possession. So again, a lot, a lot of different factors and concepts to take into account, and we'll see how it plays out in the following Mishnah. So here comes the Mishnah. So the case is similar to the cases we've been discussing until now. A person gets married. A person gets married, and 
uh, after they have sexual relations for the first time, uh, he sees and notices that the husband sees that she, she has, there's no, there's no blood, that, uh, there's no hymen present. And, uh, what happens? He omeris mishirisani nanasti She says, you're right. I'm not a, I'm not a virgin. Uh, however, when did this take place? This took place after we were engaged from the year, during the year between engagement and marriage. And I was raped. I was raped. If I was raped before the marriage, then, um, so then it's a mekachtos. He, he was missing information and therefore, uh, she shouldn't receive the full ksuba. But this happened after the engagement. If it happens after the engagement, so if it was done willingly, so then that's just adultery. And then she doesn't receive her ksuba. Uh, but she says she was raped. Um, so then, so then she should, based on her, based on her claim, she should receive the entire ksuba. He says no. He says, no, it could have been that you raped, but this all happened before we were engaged. And therefore, uh, I didn't know about it. And I should have known about it. There was an error here and I should have known about it. Um, and therefore, you should receive, you shouldn't receive the entire ksuba. Um, you shouldn't receive the entire ksuba because there's, there's a, there was a problem here. So who do we believe? Do we believe him? Do we believe her? Now, when it comes to him, it's just important to keep this in mind. He he does not know what happened. He's just making an argument and saying, "Well, perhaps your story is incorrect, and something else took place." He doesn't know with certainty. She knows exactly. She she probably knows exactly what happened, uh, but he doesn't know. Uh, so, what happens in such a case? So, this is a dispute in the Mishnah, and the Gemara will uh, analyze this dispute. So, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Eliezer, Omrim. The first opinion, Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Lezer, they say, turning to 12b2 in the Mishnah, in our scroll, Ne'amanes, we believe her. So Rabbi Gamliel says we believe her. Rabbi Shua, Omer, Rabbi Shua says, no, we don't believe her. We don't trust her. We assume that she, everything happened after the engagement. Um, unless we have a proof, we need a full proof otherwise, but unless we have a full proof otherwise, we do not um, believe her, and therefore we believe him, uh, because sorry, because we we're presume sorry we presume that she did have sexual relations before the marriage. Sorry, not not what I just said a second ago, but that she did have sexual relations before the before the marriage, and therefore she should not receive the full ksuba. She shouldn't receive the full ksuba, and we do not believe her. We believe him. Okay, that is the Mishnah again. She claims that it happened. After the, the engagement that she was raped, he says, no, it was before, and therefore you shouldn't get the full 200. You should either get zero or 100, which is a whole separate discussion, but not the full 200. Rabbi Gamaliel says, we believe her. Rabbi Shua says, we believe him. And the question ultimately is going to be, why would you say one way versus the other? So let's begin the Gemara. Again, the first column on 12b2. The Gemara first discusses a totally different scenario. Although not totally different, but a different scenario which uh, has similar principles, underlying principles. Itmar. So we have the following case. Uh, one person says to another that I lent you money, you owe me money. And the other person says, I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I forgot. I forgot whether I owe you money or not. So what happens in that case? Rav Yehuda and Rav Huna, two people from the times of the Gemara say 
that he has to pay, he has to pay up. Rav Nachman and Rabbi Yochanan say that he is exempt. He's exempt. What's the argument? What are they arguing about? So it's a similar argument to what we have in our Mishnah. Rav Huna, Rav Yehuda, Amri Chayev, Bari Vishama, Bari Yadif. Rav Nachman, Rav Yochanan, Amri Patur, Kimamun, Bechazkas Mare. So to understand why he is exempt, that's easier to understand. The second position that he's exempt is because, well, you made a claim against me that I owe you money. Prove it. Bring a proof. Uh, you, you have no proof. Until you bring a proof, there's nothing to talk about. So I don't have to pay you. Why would the first opinion say that you do have to pay? Well, that's based on the principle of Bari Vishema. The principle that we gave, that, that we discussed in our introduction. That he's making the claim, I know with certainty that you owe me money. The other person who's holding on to the money says, I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't know what happened exactly. I don't know if I, if I paid you back or not. So the one who says, I don't know, they're basically, the fact that they have the money, so that's being questioned, and the person himself doesn't even know, really, if he's deserving of the money. And so therefore, the person who makes the claim that I know that you owe me money, so we will believe him. We will, in fact, believe him, and that's the position of Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda. Okay, so now the Gemara will suggest, well, maybe that same exact dispute is the same dispute as our Mishnah. It should be the same exact dispute. Why? Because in our Mishnah also, who does the money belong to? The money belongs to the husband. The husband has uh, has has the money. She, the wife, is making a claim saying, you owe me the ksuba. You owe me the ksuba. Give it to me. So, one opinion could say, well, prove it. Prove, the, you know, if you, want, if you want the ksuba, prove the fact that uh, you were you were raped after the engagement. Bring the proof. You you have to bring the proof uh, because right now it's in the hands. It's in the possession of the husband. If you want to take it away from him, you have to bring proof. Uh, the other position might say, "No, she's right. Why is she right? Because she knows with certainty. She's making the claim. I know exactly what happened. Such and such happened after we were engaged." His claim is, "I don't know what happened. I have no idea what happened. Maybe it happened before the engagement, but it's all." In a language of uncertainty, and maybe it happened. So it should be, maybe it's, it should be the same dispute that we, that we just mentioned. That what happens in a case where a one person is trying to extract money, but he, that person knows with certainty. The person who's holding on to it doesn't know exactly what happened, but they're the ones who are holding on to the, the money. So what happens in that scenario? So the Gemara wants to suggest that, that the same dispute that we have in the Gemara is the same dispute as our Mishnah. Let's see this inside. The opinion of Huna and Rav Yehuda who say that when one person says you owe me $100, the other person says, no, I'm not sure, I don't know, that we believe the person who says you owe me $100 even though they don't bring any proof. That's the same position as Shmuel. What does Shmuel say? Shmuel says as follows, based on our Mishnah, or really uh, a Mishnah that's coming up, but it's parallel, uh, and we're not going to get into the specific details because that's really coming up on the next page. Basically as follows. Shmuel says that we follow the position of Rebbe Gamliel, not just in the next Mishnah, which is coming up, which we're not going to get into the specifics, but it's a case which is also related to Bari Vishema, because 
Uh, it's a case where a woman who has sexual relations with somebody, we don't know who it's with, it's not a, not a husband. So then she says, she makes the claim and says that it was with somebody who was, uh, who was kosher, who was, uh, will make me, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't a, a severe prohibition, uh, to the degree where I then can no longer marry a Cohen. No, it was with somebody who was kosher, uh, and Rubin Wheel says we believe her because she knows with certainty. But that's not the real main point. The point is that Shmuel says that we even follow Rubin Gamliel in our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is a case where Rubin Gamliel says, even though the, the money is in the husband's hands right now and she's trying to take it out of him by saying, you owe me the ksuba, uh, still, we will believe her. Why? Because she comes with a claim with certainty and he's coming with a claim with uncertainty. So therefore, she will win. We have to believe her. And that's what Shmuel says. So Shmuel, uh, just making it all fit together, Shmuel makes this statement that says what, that we believe her because she's Bari. She's, uh, she's saying her claim with certainty. So Abai is saying that in the case of oh, the person who says that you owe me $100 and the other person says, I'm not sure, I have no idea, I don't know what happened, and that we believe the person to say you owe me $100, so that Abai wants to say that that fits with Rabban Gamliel. Everything fits. And it's a it's a parallel dispute. It's based on the same underlying uh, positions. So the Gemara is going to suggest, the rest of the Gemara is basically going to suggest that no, maybe you could differentiate between these two cases. So again, just to clarify these two cases, one case is a case where she says that um, she was raped after the engagement, therefore you have to pay me the entire ksuba. He makes the claim that no, maybe it happened, be- maybe it happened before the engagement. So there's a dispute. Do we believe him or do we believe her? There's another argument about another situation where one person says you owe me a hundred dollars, the other person says I might owe you, I might not. I forgot whether I pay back. I, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. So there too, there's a dispute. Do we believe the one who says that they know with certainty that you owe me, uh, or do we say that no, that uh, he's exempt because at the end of the day, when you're trying to extract uh, money, so then you have to bring a real proof. You have to bring you have to bring real proof. So. The Gemara now is going to differentiate between these two cases in two ways. So let's see. Lamer of you who did who know the Amri Karabang Amliel of Rav Nachman Rabbi Yochanan Amri Karabi Yochanan maybe Karabi Yeshua. Sorry, maybe they have the same exact argument. That the same exact argument in the Mishnah is the same argument as the as the Gemara. So the Gemara says no. We're now on twelve B three in the article. Amr Lachar Rav Nachman Rav Nachman will say back no. I could differentiate in two ways. I Rav Nachman hold. That in the case where where one person says you owe me a hundred, the other person says I'm not sure. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. That we do not um, believe the person who says you owe me a hundred, and we leave the money where it is. However, in our Mishnah, our Mishnah is different. That we will give it to the woman. Why? We'll give the full ksuba to the woman. Why? Two di- two differences. Over there in the Mishnah, it's not just the fact that he she's saying it with certainty, but she also has a migu, the concept of migu that we had in the introduction, which is that she is saying that uh, that she was raped. She could have had a better claim. What's the better claim? If you say that you're raped, so then uh, in the end of the day, she now can no longer marry a Cohen. She could have said, forget about rape. She could have said that it's just the hymen left uh, based on some external source, mukasates. Some external source, and then she would still be able to marry a Cohen. So why is she making such a such a such a claim where she, it will make her that she's no longer allowed to marry a Cohen? She has a better claim to make about the fact that she's a Mukasates. The fact that she didn't make that claim tells us that she's telling the truth. So says Rav Nachman that even though in the case of where I'm not sure if I owe you a hundred or not, 
so we'll believe him and, and we'll leave the money where it is, or at least we'll leave the money where it is. Uh, but in, in the case of the Mishnah, where we believe her to get the full ksuba, that's because we believe her because she had an alternative explanation, which she didn't use, uh, which was a better, which would have been a better explanation. So the fact that she didn't use it is, is a proof that she's actually saying the truth. Alternatively, inami, Furthermore, she has a chazaka, a status quo. What is that status quo? There's a status quo that she didn't change until the last point point in time. What does that mean? She didn't change. She didn't become. Um, she lost her virginity at the la- at the latest point in time. That would be after the engagement. She was raped after the engagement, and so therefore, the status quo would also tell us to believe her. Uh, the status quo would tell us to believe her, and we follow the position of the status quo. So these two cases are very different. In one case, we won't we won't give the money to the person who's making the claim with certainty because uh, he has no other proof, and and we just leave the money where it is. In the mission's case, there are various reasons why we should believe her. There's a migu. Uh, we also go based on the status quo that didn't happen until the latest point in time after the engagement. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons to differentiate. Not only are there a lot of reasons, but it also works according to the Jewish law. The Gemara says, Hachanami Mistarba, could the commission in? And it makes sense what we're saying, that there's a difference between these two cases. Derav Nachman, who Dhamma Kravim Liel, Derav Nachman holds like Kravim Liel. Why? Moving on to the top of Yud Gimel Omad Aleph. Dim Kain Kashi Hilchaza Hilchasa, Dekhamlan Hilchaz Kravim Nachman Bidini, Ubaha Amr Vidam Mishmal Halach Kravim Liel. Basically, according to Jewish law, we follow Rav Nachman, who says that in the case where one person says you owe me a hundred, the other person says I'm not sure, maybe I do, maybe I don't, we believe Rav Nachman to say leave the money where it is, and uh, we don't believe the person who says you owe me. Uh, however, we also, in, uh, in the Jewish law, we follow the position of Rabbi Gamliel to say that in our Mishnah, she does win, she does receive her entire ksuba. So how do you put these two laws together? How does it fit together? It must be that there's a big difference between the Mishnah and the Gemara's case. The Mishnah's case, there are other reasons to believe her. She has a chazaka, the status quo to back her up. She has a migut to back her up. There are various reasons for us to say that we actually do believe her. So that is the end of the Gemara. We concluded the Gemara's commentary on the Mishnah, but there's a lot more to discuss, a lot of more cases to discuss where we have basically a lack of clarity. We don't know what ended up happening. We don't know we, we, we don't know, we don't have enough evidence to play back what happened in the past, and therefore the court has to sort of weigh uh, different ideas, different concepts in terms of making an ultimate decision.